You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. If you have dreams or you're wondering how to make a bigger impact in this world, you're home. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. I'm Deb, Mike's wife. I suggested this idea as a way to keep him busy and out of my way after he retired. So far, it's working. Thanks for listening. It's time for Mike Seminary and Friends. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends, the place where we strive to make a difference, a positive difference, provide you something of value. Heck, from my perspective, we just want to share good stuff. I'm your host, Mike Seminary, and I'm so grateful you've joined us. A big thanks to my friend David Hansen for my theme music, Continental Drift. Search for his work, Serotonin Waters and Moon Dot Soup on iTunes and Spotify. By the way, I appreciate your comments and guest suggestions. Keep them coming at MikeSeminary.com or Mike Seminary and Friends on Facebook. And please visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Today, I'm just thrilled to have as my guest a passionate, driven, and talented, once educator, by the way, turn entrepreneur with a mission to help and specifically develop young talent. Jess Flynn from the Youth Empowerment Project. Welcome to my seminary and friends. Thank you for taking time to join me. It's great to see you. How are you? Thank you, Mike. What an intro. Got me excited to to be well, here and and to chat with you today. Well, this I get to ask you a question I've never been able to ask anyone before. Ooh. And it how is thing in Ontario? Collingwood, Ontario is magic. I moved here when I was 22 years old. Um, I won't say how long I've been here because everyone can do the math. No, I'm not. (laughs) I've been here for about 12 years now. And there's something just incredible about, you know, we've got skiing in the winter. We've got gorgeous Georgian Bay um, in the summer. It's a real four season destination. Um, and so the, the people that are drawn to Collingwood are really about a balanced lifestyle and, you know, definitely personal lifestyle before work. And so we do have a lot of entrepreneurs here and, and innovators, and it's a really vibrant community. And I'm actually joining you from our co-working space, um, sitting beside this beautiful moss living wall and it's you know it's a small town doing a lot of really big exciting things um so i love it here well it sounds kind of like a little piece of heaven the way you just described it and you should be if you're not involved with the tourism department for that area so you can help promote it but what you just described speaks volumes i think about kind of how we got connected i saw you post something encouraging a very, very young entrepreneur, Maddie Stoppelbean, I think was her last name. She has Maddie's Bake Shop. I saw that on LinkedIn, reached out to you. We got connected. And furthermore, again, what you described is becoming 
the types of environments people are looking for. And in many ways, individuals are looking for community engagement, experiential places to be, then from there decide what they want to do for a living. And that's kind of what you just described as happening in Collingwood. Absolutely. And that's what, um, you know, I've, as an educator, I've always felt we put so much pressure on our young people to choose, you know, the job title first. And we, you know, especially after this pandemic, we know it's, it's about the simple things that how you feel every day, um, who you surround yourself with. And um, those are the most important and actually working backwards from those feelings um, is like definitely what's happening in Collingwood. Um, our real estate market has certainly boomed as um, we're very close to Toronto, about two hours north of Toronto here in Canada. And so, um, you know, people are emerging out of the city and, and recognizing that there is a different way of, of doing things. And I think we're on the brink of something really big, um, not only for, for kids, but for you know, how we all want to live this next chapter after the pandemic. Collingwood then is becoming a very attractive place for people to maybe escape Toronto, the hustle and bustle, which is a wonderful community, by the way. It's a, oh, yeah. It is a remarkable place, the city of Toronto. However, a lot of people are trying to escape that now, particularly post-pandemic. So Collingwood is becoming attractive to them. Oh, hugely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a fairly short commute. Yeah, in, an hour and a half, yeah. um, mostly country drive. So we welcome it. And I am, you mentioned uh, tourism. I'm also on, on our local BIA here because I, I am so passionate about this town and our small businesses. Um, so I'm the local resident on the BIA representing um, our entrepreneurs and small business owners here too. And for those that sometimes are not familiar with acronyms, BIA? BIA is, it's kind of a silly acronym. It stands for Business Improvement Area. Um, and across Ontario, it every municipality has a BIA that's kind of responsible for, you know, taking care of our downtown core and promoting the downtown core. How is that similar to in the states where we have Chamber of Commerces? Yes. Yeah, so we also have Chamber of Commerce here where that's, um, you know, anyone from the community who wants to join the chamber as a networking and community growth and give back opportunity. Whereas the BIA is actually a set geographic area and we have members. Um, so if you have a storefront in that geographic area, you pay a membership fee um, automatic. That's not a choice, but because you're kind of getting that premium location as well as premium service for being in, in a certain downtown core. For those in the States, that's akin to bid business improvement district. Oh, okay. And generally speaking, those are, and they're geographically confined, just like you described. Yeah. Generally speaking, they're in a downtown area where improvements are being made. Uh, they want to engage people. They want to they they want to pull people in, and so there is a fee for you, your either your business or sometimes residents if you want to be a part participant because you have a condo there. So I think it's very very similar. Yeah. So you you, you got there twelve years ago. I'm assuming based on your bio, at the time you were an educator. That's about right. That time. 
That's right. So I moved to Collingwood because a teaching opportunity became available with a school board here. Um, and then at that same time, I found, uh, got connected with a brilliant friend of mine who was opening a tutoring center. And um, I became the education director with her um, while starting my, my career, getting my foot in the door with the board. And that was also my first introduction to business ownership and entrepreneurship. Um, and the first time I kind of combined my love of education and working with young people um, while learning about you know, the business of education and the opportunities that are there. And, um, and that really just got my feet wet into entrepreneurship as well. I met my partner who is in real estate investing and lots of realtors here in Collingwood for our healthy real estate market. Um, and so, yeah, basically the same time I started my career in educa formal education, I also started my education in entrepreneurship. So from the get-go, you were doing kind of a side hustle. You were teaching and tipping your the toe into the water of entrepreneurship. That's wonderful. Yeah. What what grades were you teaching as an educator? I mostly focused grades 9 through 12, so kind of those 13 to 18, 19-year-olds, but I'm qualified to teach kindergarten um, to grade 12. But now that I have two young ones of my own, kindergarten is definitely not my... Um, not my sweet spot. I <laughs> I love chatting with with youth who are starting to you know think about their future, starting to question the systems around them, and and question you know what's being presented to them, and those critical critical thinking years. Um, I absolutely love teaching at the at the high school level and and junior high high school levels. Curious, and I, I, I need to be really respectful the way I ask this question. Because there are too many people that are being far too critical of the education system in the States. I don't know if it's the same way up in Canada, where they believe that there isn't enough emphasis on some of the practical skill sets they should be learning finance, how to you know start a business, you know, things that you're going to, when, when you walk out the door, you're probably going to be using them versus some of the other curriculum that they're being taught. And by the way, I have a sister that's on a school board. They call it something else in a really large city in the States. And I, I'm through her, I'm hearing about these challenges. So that's teeing up the question I'm going to ask. Mm -hmm. so, so ninth through 12th grade, you're you're teaching these kids while you're simultaneously becoming familiar with entrepreneurial industry and skills. Did you see at that time that based on that side hustle, the tutoring center, did you see that there might be some gaps in the system where kids should be learning maybe something else, or at least approaching education a little bit differently for them? 
Absolutely. That was very gently put, Mike. Good job. <laughs> we okay. definitely have critical eyes, you know, up where we are too on our education system. And I'll, I'll go back and say, you know, I started at Oxford Learning. I also helped launch um, a resort spa here at our ski hill. Uh, I started my own construction company. I've sold skincare. I have a pretty diverse um, entrepreneurial background over that the course of those, um, those 12 years. Um, but definitely, I was seeing, um, you know, all of this potential. And so much of that potential comes from having some time to network and meet other people and hear other people's stories outside of our circle of influence as young people. You know, I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial household. Both of my parents had very... Um, uh, safe jobs, I guess, where there was a pension and benefits and, and all of that. And so that's a household I grew up that, you know, I was very fortunate, but that was, those were the values of what makes a good career choice and, and, a, and a path for at post-secondary education. But um, that never felt right for me personally. And then it wasn't until I kind of flew the nest and, and moved to a different town, met some different people and saw a different way of doing things. And the trick with the public education system, whether it's up here or down in the States, is it's such a huge system trying to serve so many people. And teachers have, you know, my opinion, far too many students in one room. And so it becomes so much about managing people as opposed to having the the luxury and the opportunity to dive into individual interests and students really need young people really need to feel seen on that individual level um, they're quite capable of doing a lot self-guided on their own um, they don't need as much hand-holding I think as we as we think they do but they do need you know to be recognized as individuals in that system um, and to be celebrated have their interests celebrated and have their critical thinking and their questioning celebrated as opposed to you know trying to manage so many people that we often don't have time to go down those critical thinking um, mm -hmm. paths and, and discussions so I think there are so many gaps in the system because we're trying to do so much that um, uh, kids are really missing out and craving um, they know what they're not getting and they're they want it um, those kind of the now what? Great. I've got all this theory, but how, what do I do? How do I actually act on this? And, and what does it mean for me? Um, so that's what entrepreneurship, I think, is um, just beautiful to introduce to, to kids at this age group to say, if you have an idea, whether it's a business or, or a special project you want to do, a social justice project, go ahead and do it and, and find the community. And if the teachers aren't, you know, if teachers aren't comfortable or familiar with who to reach out to, um, reaching out to the entrepreneurs and business owners in your communities to help support these, these kids who are looking for, for other opportunities. But it really boils down to, I think, a, a shift in thinking where we need to put skills back at the forefront, skill development and content you know, access to content has never been easier um, or more overwhelming. So, you know, how to teach students to engage with content, find 
the the right kind of of content um not fake news but you know the real the real stuff that's out there um yeah i think teaching going back to a skills focus um is is really what what we need to do on a systematic level and so i couldn't change it from the inside at this point so we're we're going off and and trying to provide some solutions and opportunities um outside the system I like the way you put that, and I couldn't agree more. And before I go on to my next question, I have been blessed to live in communities where the education system is fabulous. I'm not one of those people that wants to poke holes or try to change things dramatically. Not that we can't have discussions and dialogue about maybe we should consider doing this or doing that. I, I, here's what I know from all of my years being involved in leadership roles, economic development at a local and a statewide and beyond level. Here are the things you have to have in place for a community to be attractive. And when I say attractive, it's attractive for people to come to, and it's attractive enough for people to stay. And then you have that balance of who's staying and then who's coming, who's coming back and using the resources in a way that we created an environment that is attractive for people to either come or stay. And part of that is you have to have, you have to have good water. You have to have access to quality healthcare. You must, because if, if someone gets sick or needs medical attention, that has to be reasonably close for people to access. You have to have people that are in leadership places that, that care. They love the people that are there. You also have to have quality education and access to it. And I've been blessed to live in places where the education is top-notch. The kids and students from kindergarten all the way through high school and then in college where you have higher education in this in the system and in your community it's been top-notch and those are the kind of places that are attractive for people then like Collingwood where you have all these other amenities that many places don't you just have a home run so as you were talking here was the one of the questions I'm so curious about you grew up in a household where your parents uh, were good mentors or great parents. They had good, steady jobs, pensions, et cetera, et cetera. They weren't necessarily entrepreneurial type folks. Where, since you said early on, you knew that was something that was important to you. Where did you get that? Who inspired you to see, I have it in myself. I've got to go chase that. Great question. And I think it didn't... Um you know, the actual term entrepreneurship and, and seeing that as the missing piece of my puzzle, I couldn't frame that up until, you know, I had moved here, I had met people, but I just knew, you know, in, in high school and then, and then in my, you know, university journey, that this, this whole system wasn't, there's something missing for me. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to verbalize it because I didn't know what it was that was missing. So it was once I, I found uh, entrepreneurs and I saw, 
oh, they don't, no one tells them when they get to see their kids. They define when they get to see their kids. And no one tells them that they can't meet an exciting prospect for coffee because it doesn't fit into their 45 minute lunch hour. Like these are people who really own their own time um, and can still be successful. And they're certainly working harder than a lot of people I know who, who do have the nine to five. Um, it's not to say that all you're doing is coffee dates and skiing during the day, but it's um, that authority over time. And then I think becoming a mother myself and, and really seeing how quickly time goes by when all the cliches come to light when you become a parent. Um, and that's when I decided, no, this is, this is the thing that I was, um, you know, meant to pursue this entrepreneurship. And I, what I love too about entrepreneurship, Mike, is I think I also had trouble choosing this one thing. What is this one job title that's going to solve all my problems that will make me feel, uh, feel fulfilled, that will provide an income for my family? Um, what is that one thing? And I never seemed to click with, with just one thing. And I always felt like, oh, you know, it's Jess, she's bouncing around and trying new jobs. And when will she settle down? But when I finally realized, no, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm always creating. And I want to meet new people. I want to pursue new ideas. That's not failing. That's, that's vibrancy. That's, that's life. Um, and so, you know, defining myself as an entrepreneur is very recent, even though I have owned businesses and I've done lots of different things and, you know, found an education through trial and error after my formal education. Um, it wasn't until, you know, becoming a parent and recognizing, ah, it's the lifestyle. It's the autonomy over self. It's the flexibility of, you know, being able to pursue new passions as I, as I'm introduced to new people, new experiences, new places. Um, and then, you know, celebrating that agility, that confidence, that resiliency to, to pivot, to change, to create, um, to fail and to pick yourself back up again and, and create again and to reach out to community and be supported by community. So for me, entrepreneurship, again, it goes beyond a job and a business, but it's, it's this lifestyle that I'm just addicted to. Was it intuitive for you to say, I'm going to take this risk? No, <laughs> I've, I've had such, you know, that, safety and security um, ingrained in me forever. Um, and so it's, um, it's always scary to take a risk. But I think I have the confidence in my skill set that even if business XYZ isn't, you know, the, the home run business, um, I have confidence in myself and, and what I can do that I know I'll be okay. And I think, when it comes to, you know, when I was in the classroom before I officially left the classroom, those are the messages I tried to instill in my, in my students when they were in those pivotal years of having to, you know, choose their, their stream and choose their, you know, college or university that they're going to after high school. It doesn't really matter. Go and do it and learn and meet new people and, and, and take those steps towards this next chapter. 
but you, we don't know what we don't know yet. You haven't met most of the people you're going to meet yet. So to expect you at, you know, 12, 13, 16 years old to come up with the master plan. Um, this is the pressure that we're putting on students. And we know, we all know that that's not the way that life actually uh, goes. So we need to give them some, some grace as well as parents, because a lot of those anxieties and those limiting beliefs come from parents trying to protect and set our kids up for success. So, you know, choose that, that, you know, lawyer, doctor, teacher, um, because then I know you'll be safe. I know you'll be, you'll be self-sufficient, but I'm, we're saying, you know, choose agility, resilience, critical thinking, communication, and then we know that they'll be okay. Um, yeah. And like I said, that they want to protect. I've had this conversation in a previous interview on the podcast and I made reference to and parents do this with some frequency they become dream stealers not intentional they don't want to hurt us but they their comfort zone tells them I don't know that that's the right thing for you and I think you might want to do this or have you considered this I've done that with my daughters by the way and I learned early on maybe once was enough but that, I call that dream stealers. It's not intentional. It's just that they're, it's their protection mechanism. So you were teaching, had a side hustle. Was there a pivotal moment? Was there a particular experience? Was there a day where you said, okay, this is it. I'm going to step off completely off of the education career path, and I'm going 100% entrepreneur. There were kind of two moments. I half did it and then I fully did it. So when I started my first construction company, so my husband and I had been doing renovations. Um, you know, I met him a couple of weeks after I moved here and he was always already doing it. So I got a, an education in managing trades and interior design. And so I started my own boutique construction company all while teaching. And, and it blew up. It, it, we were so busy in our first year um, that I actually couldn't handle the growth. And I was 27 at the time managing, you know, an all male trades. Um, so it was a huge learning experience. Um, but I, I still had the safety net of teaching. So, you know, I, it was a failure in terms of, I couldn't handle the growth. And I, I just like, I didn't know what to do. I shut it down, um, went back to teaching and then realized, oh but I missed the, I missed the thrill. I was doing something really big there. It was successful. Um, it was, uh, I liked it. The sky was the limit. I didn't know exactly what my days were going to look like. I didn't know exactly what the bank account was going to look like for better or for worse. Um, I definitely missed it. So then we, you know, life happens and we had our family and then I was off with, um, my two kids during the pandemic and I was getting so frustrated that our education system didn't just turn on its head. I thought this is, you know, the whole world is shut down. Everyone's learning from home. This will be the thing that that changes education. And I didn't see that happening. It was um, we've got some pretty powerful um you know, unions up here and, and, and everyone was, you know, focusing on mental health and, you know, sustaining our teaching staff, which we absolutely need. But I felt like the kids were being thought of um, 
second, third, you know, in the hierarchy of the system. And rather than another thing I love about entrepreneurs is rather than sitting and complaining about the way things are done, entrepreneurs, you know, spend a little bit of time assessing the problems and then they act. The what next? How can we fix it? So that was um, uh, June 2020. I created a virtual, no, 2021, created a virtual uh, Be Your Own Boss camp. And it was so well received. Uh, and the, the light bulbs that I saw with those kids that went through that first program, um, that's when I was hooked. I was like, there's wow. no way I can go back after seeing what we can achieve together when we introduce kids to entrepreneurship, when we introduce kids to themselves and their own power and potential that's sitting right there, right in front of them. They don't need to worry about all the next steps that are, you know, the next 20 years for them. What can you do right now? Um, that's when I knew that I couldn't go back. I had to keep keep on this path. Hmm. Take two more questions before I want you to share about Youth Empowerment Project. Mm -hmm. Did you and your husband, both entrepreneurs, you have this renovation business, did you ever say to yourselves in discussions, we could be the next Chip and Joanna Gaines and we should have our own ch ch channel on the home and garden. Did you ever have that discussion? <laughs> I've thought that and said that many times. My husband is, I'm definitely the extrovert. My husband's very shy. And uh, I always say he's the, the, you know, the core in the middle and I'm the tornado spinning around. So, but yes, that's definitely been on my mind, Mike, not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> That leads me to the next question. You have theater in your background. I do. Tell me a little bit about that, because here's what I'm sensing. Your exposure to theater probably helped you develop a lot of these incredible communication skills that you have, that ability to be convincing, almost acting, because sometimes we have to do that in our line of work, in our lives, mm -hmm. to pull people in. So tell me a little bit about your theater background. So theater was interesting because it was, you know, for my parents and I, I, I had a wonderful opportunity uh, at my high school. It was such an incredible theater program there and it really defined who I was at that time in my life. And I think my parents were like, OK, yeah, keep going with it, but then you'll go to teacher's college and have a real job. Um, but while I was there, what I love about theater is it was a real bird's eye view, the program that I went to. So I didn't go to a conservatory where it was an acting focus or a directing focus. I got a little bit of, of everything. I had a tech, you know, tech program where I learned to use power tools and, and we actually built the set. Um, so I think I had such a well-rounded theater experience. Um, I also learned, you know, even though I have a, a music background as well, and I was a vocalist, I really thrived in the production side of theater, the team management, and, and little did I know at the time, but now when I reflect, it's the people management, the project management, the scheduling, um, the overall design and how it all comes together it really is a business, right? You come up with, you've got the, the script and um, from there, it's, it's the marketing of it. It's the, um, the headshots, the costumes, I, I just love it all. But I think 
just getting an education and and giving ourselves time and space to try to to learn and how does it all transfer into the real world um theater has been uh such an incredible um area of study for me because mm-hmm. i think there's so much of it it seems very fluffy but there's actually so much of it is transferable to business and entrepreneurship and and self advocacy and self promotion um, yeah. Well, tell us about Youth Empowerment Project. The Youth Empowerment Project. So, like I mentioned, we started with kind of this, ah, I've got to do something. Let's do a summer camp, virtual summer camp. Um, and that was, you know, be your own boss, virtual summer camp. We had global news coverage leading up to that event. Um, it was a small group of 20 incredible young people from ages 12 all the way up to 19. Um, we met in different age cohorts, but the program was the same. And I thought, you know, I would do this every summer and help empower kids every summer. And after it wrapped um, yeah, that, that new bug had bit me and I thought there's no way we can't make this, um, this opportunity available to more kids to enable them to have these conversations, um, to, to dream big, to provide this kind of bridge between anxiety and, and overwhelm and unsure of who they are and and what's coming to, uh, confidence and clarity and this feeling of I can be resilient and as long as I'm you know the boss of me so we're the youth empowerment project now our brand has undergone some um, evolution as we've worked out you know what our mission and, and visions are um, and it also the short form is the you power project and so really helping kids discover their you power and empower them to um, you know, look at themselves and and create actionable steps as young as 12 years old. So now um, we are in scale mode. Uh, We've got a team of almost 20 people helping us and nine of those are student interns. So uh, mostly post-secondary, but we also have high school interns who audit all of our program material and give it, you know, the green, yellow or red light. And I just love that our team is almost 50%, uh, you know, youth themselves, uh, creating, refining, and expanding the programs we offer for their younger, younger peers. So our first uh, program, our foundations program is called Foundations for the Future, and it follows that boss framework. So we talk about how our four pillars are believing that anything is possible. Um, so getting kids really excited, teaching them about the power of mindset. We give them a mindset activation with affirmations and talk to them about the neuroscience behind thinking that way, because sometimes it can be a little bit woo, we call it for people. But when we actually do a deep dive on some of the most successful entrepreneurs, they all have these mindset coaches. Um, and it's really the biggest limiting factors we have are in our own heads or, in, you know, that, that network or community that we're currently in. Um, so to give some tangible tools for how to tap into your limitless power and potential. And we also talk about, you know, dreaming big and what does that look like for you? And we create vision boards with the students in that first 
first pillar as well. And then we move into owning that anything's possible for you. So we talked about, yeah, it's great. There's lots of cool people doing cool things. You know, here's your vision board for what you could do, uh, you know, in 10 years time. But what does that mean for you specifically on a deeper level? So we do, you know, some skills assessments and we have you interviewed, uh, interviewing your best friend and your parent, your guardian, all about you. Mom, what? what do you think I'm good at? Uh, what do you think I'm not great at? Where do I not thrive? Uh, and get that information from, from your network and the people around you. And, and then we set some really tangible SMART goals. So specific, measurable, attainable, relevant to your vision board and timely. So even though you may be 12, you may be 13 and you've created a vision board for when you're in your 20s, You can do something today, every single day that gets you a step closer to that big vision. Um, So getting getting the kids really excited about themselves and on the journey. And then the third pillar is shaping your ideas into opportunities. So, you know, you're grade seven, you're grade 10. It's the pandemic. You're not old enough to work necessarily. Maybe you can't travel yet. Um, What could I really do? Well, let's look at what you're great at now that you know all of that. You've got all that data, what you love to do and what's sitting right in front of you. So if you love animals, you know, you love, you've got two dogs that you just adore. Uh, You love being outside. You also love helping people. Well, how can those things translate into a special project we can focus on or potentially a business idea? And so, you know, maybe I'll start a dog walking business. And then our, 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 you know, we always are asking about the triple bottom line. So great. Now you have an idea or a project, you might make some money, how are you also going to give back to your community? And we talk about finding your ideal client, your ideal, your niche. Um, and we've had these conversations with kids as young as 12, and they are here for it, Mike. They do so well. And then our kids who are on the older end who are now thinking, oh, I've got to, I'm leaving high school and I'm, I don't see the ground under my feet for this next step. We're giving them projects or business ideas that they can actually action and and take with them on the journey. So I absolutely love when we get to that part of the program and we're shaping everything we've talked about into something real that they can do. We also talk about, you know, we include some financial literacy in there. So first of all, getting an idea of what does your life cost? What does it cost to host me in this house every day? Um, And then translating that to your project or your business budget. And then the fourth pillar is sharing your ideas with the world. So whether this is a business idea or whether this is, you know, I want my first cell phone, how do I confidently and eloquently communicate that and present my argument? Um, Or I want to feel better about choosing the topic for a group projects. So that pillar is just about, you know, you are worthy, you are worthy of being seen, you're worthy of being heard, your ideas are worthy, doesn't matter what your age is, doesn't matter what your education status is, doesn't matter what color your skin is, let's share your ideas with the world. So we talk about, uh, we've got a great powerful public speaking 
workshop. Uh, we also uh, talk about the power and safety of social media or to be safe, how to be safe on social media. Um, and then we create their very first or their very own website to kind of act as that entrepreneurial portfolio. So as they learn and grow and change, it's, you know, it's Mike.com, so that will never change. But what you're interested in, what what your focus is, that that will always live in flex. But it's something that, unlike social media, you can control. You can, you know, creatively design and customize and and take up some space virtually. And I'll say too, you know, this is a program that that I've created a lot of, but. It's not only myself, but we have 11 other entrepreneurs who contribute to this program. So the public speaking workshop is delivered by a professional actor um, who teaches public speaking to young people as his side hustle. Um, the social media um, piece is delivered by two young women who own their own uh, marketing agency. So a lot of this, this content is delivered by entrepreneurs who are in that space. And we get to learn all of their unique stories. Like one of my very good friends, um, Natalie Kirby is a speaker, and she's a registered midwife. And she talks about the business that can be associated with these more traditional careers, you know, maybe you do want to be a lawyer or a doctor. Did you know that owning your own practice, having your own staff, um, finding space, budgeting, marketing, all of that is a piece of these career paths that you don't learn in those programs. You do seven years of school plus plus to be a doctor and, and there is not a single unit or module that talks about your business or what you do after you graduate. So we're really, this foundations is you know, kids who are feeling or parents who are feeling their their children, child is about to take a step into this unknown. If they have this foundation under their feet, it doesn't matter what direction they're going in. They've got these pillars under them to support them. Um, so obviously, I'm very excited about this project oh. and, and everything we're hoping to achieve and all the kids we're hoping to support. Great pillars, great information. So practical. How many students are in the program? I'm going to call it program. How long are they there? And it's a three-part question. Yeah. How is the education community receiving what you're doing? Because it just it makes so much sense to me. Yes. Okay. So how many kids, the program, and the education community? I'm just making a little bit of a note so I don't forget. So um, the group of kids is um, able to grow because the more kids we have, the more interns I can hire to support the kids in the program. So we don't really have a cap because it's run virtually. So it's open to a global audience of young people. Um, and it is a self-guided course right now, a program that we've set up. So they work at their own pace. However, if students and parents sign up with us during our regularly scheduled launches, so we're about to have one at the end of March where our program starts on April 4th, 2022, then those kids get eight weeks of live coaching with myself. So we'll meet in groups um, virtually according to age. And I'm there to kind of lightly facilitate those themes, but it's open forum. And I love hosting those facilitations because we do some really fun activities. Like here's a, what would you do if you had a box of old sheets in the garage? How could you make a hundred dollars today without selling the sheets? And how would you give 
back and connect it to the community as well. So I love having those group sessions. Um, but yeah, essentially it's kind of an eight week program, but it's self-guided. Uh, once the student does finish on their own time, they do get a certificate of completion. And here in Ontario and Canada, our high school students need to complete 40 volunteer hours. So if students who've completed our program fill out our program feedback, because we always wanna learn about everyone's unique experience, they also earn uh, five volunteer hours, which is great. Um, so we're really excited about rolling out this new kind of scalable model so that we can get it out to as many young people as possible. The education community um, has been um, really excited and kind of a uh, sigh of relief that someone's doing something um, that's addressing some of these gaps. Um, I think, you know, teachers who are in the system and really doing everything they can in the classroom um, to, to, to support the kids that they have um, are really excited to see something like this rolling out. We have approached, it's hard, my first, you know, my business plan, the first thought was, oh, well, you know, we'll bring this to school boards um, and hopefully help have them integrated into the curriculum. But there's so much red tape and, um, you know, it's a, it's definitely a bureaucracy and, and it's tricky to, to integrate into the, the larger public education system. So we have partnered or working on partnering with a few um, private schools at first uh, to get that opportunity out there in the school system. But they're all saying the same thing. Oh, it's practical. It's so needed. Here it is on a silver platter. Let's do it. Um, so we've gotten really, really great feedback from, from that community. Just the, my opinion, the four pillars, just going through those practically and finding ways for those to be of value to an individual, irrespective of you make a decision to become an entrepreneur or not, those, are, those aren't things we necessarily learn in the standard education curriculum. And, and, and I get that. Just the last two, shaping ideas into opportunities, so practical. Because life is, I shouldn't say all about, because that's an exaggeration, but much of life is about identifying ways for us to see what an opportunity is for us and how to take advantage of it. And then the, the next one, sharing with the world. You, sharing whether it's the opportunity with the community in the world is what makes us a better place. So I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. What's the best way for people to contact you or get more information? That's great. And thank you, Mike. I, I can live in pillar number three, shaping ideas into opportunities, because I think, um, you know, equipping kids to if you if you're presented with a problem before you are unhappy with something, you are in total control, tap into your you power and 
come up with a creative solution to the problem. So that that's one of my favorites. But um, emailing me directly, I am still info at the upowerproject.com. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook regularly. We've got a great website with tons of information. You can also meet all of our collaborators, our guest speakers on there in the About Us section. So that is the upowerproject.com. Um, and depending on when this airs, we are hosting a live webinar on March 22nd at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I'll be there there to kind of expand on these four pillars, introduce the program and answer any questions that parents and or students have about who we are and what we're doing and, and how we can get involved. And we do have a great sponsorship um, community. And if you know, parents are listening, and you you're looking for sponsorship for our program, uh, there's a contact us form, and we can hopefully match your child with sponsorship dollars as well. We'll also have all of that information on mikeseminary.com when I push us out and ask you a question in just a second. The other thing I love what you're doing is, and I don't know that you necessarily said it. If you, if you did and it's gone through in one ear and out the other, I apologize. You're really showing students the importance of taking ownership of their future, of their responsibilities, of their capabilities, of their tools. And I don't know that that is, and again, this isn't to slam education at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's part of many standard curriculum. Taking ownership is so important. Big question though. You have a magic wand. You're going to wave it over the heads. It can be that blue one. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're going to wave it over the heads of young students that are already wondering, what can I really do with my life? Where should I go? What's the one thing you want them to know? Oh, where should I go? I think just Google entrepreneurs and see whose names come up and read their story. And I will guarantee you that none of them or almost none of them are in an industry or doing a job that they thought they were going to do when they were in high school. Every one of our entrepreneurs is, has pursued, you know, tried so many different things. And so try not to be bogged down by coming up with the one answer to everything and start to, to read research, uh, let other people's stories um, bring calm and clarity of, of, you know, to your next steps and, and bring some ease to some of the decisions you're going to have to make. But if I could wave that magic wand, I would empower those kids to find people who are, who are living a lifestyle that aligns with the lifestyle that, that they kind of feel in their, in their heart and, and to know that other people are doing it. And even if it's not something that you're familiar with or comfortable with, or your parents or teachers are familiar or comfortable with, there are lots of people out here living their dream lives um, who aren't celebrities, who are just doing, you know, good for, for their business, for their communities. And that, that door is open to 
anyone. It doesn't require any specific education. It doesn't require any specific credentials um, other than that, that you power, that sense of um, hard work, agility, resilience, creative thinking, creative problem solvers. Oh, great answer. I'm going to ask you a similar question. But before that one, I'm going to ask you this one. I'm asking you to do something. Repeat the website one more time www.theupowerproject.com. And that's U Y O U. In marketing, you always want somebody to say it more than Thanks, once. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> May even have you do it again. Same magic wand. Now, the blue one, you're going to wave it over the heads of parents that have in their home this young person that has an entrepreneurial itch they want to scratch. And they might be like so many parents that want to protect them. What's the one thing you want them to know? That more than a particular, you know, being trained for a particular job, being trained for life to get these skills, these transferable skills, that is what will set them up for security, for safety, but also fulfillment and happiness. Um, so try and, and focus on making sure they're, they're given opportunities to develop and strengthen those skills um, as opposed to focusing too much on, on those job titles and those, those program titles because all of that changes so quickly, especially with technology the way it is now, um, you know, programs that are available to post-secondary students now may be irrelevant to students five years from now. Those jobs may be irrelevant by the time they, they graduate or shortly thereafter. So equip them with skills, equip them with confidence and love and grace, let them fail. Failure is an excellent way of learning. Um, and know that they'll be okay if, if they have those skills in their tool belt. What's the website again? www.theupowerproject.com. I think I'm talking to one half of the Canadian equivalent of Chip and Joanna Gaines. I just think, <laughs> Jesse, I just think that you and your partner should be talking about what if. What if we tried to do this? Because first of all, the setting, the, the, the setting, Collingwood, Ontario, the things you could do. You sound a little different than Chip and Joanna. I don't know about your partner. It would just, it's kind of, I just think there's something there. I'm just saying. What I love about entrepreneurship, Mike, is anything's on the table at any given time. You don't have to wait. You don't have to, um, you know, go to school for something. You can just go for it. So maybe maybe our next interview will be introducing, um, you know, Flynn, the, the flipping Flynn's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's the last thing you want people to know, Jess? Oh, dream big. Set aside your limiting beliefs. And the best way to equip ourselves for the unknown of the future is just, you know, those transferable skills, confidence, clarity, resilience, critical thinking, uh, getting excited um, about, about what's to come. 
You've been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. It's just been a treat for me. Oh, ditto, Mike. I'm so excited. Let's book the next one. I love this. Thank you so much. We'll get it done. Thank you for joining us today. You are profoundly appreciated. Where would I be without the team at Q1 Network? Anna DeVere, Ashley Harris, Bo Hastings, and Marlo Anderson. And my wife, Deb. Deb really orchestrates all of this for me. I have an incredible wife, partner, and friend. Thanks again for listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. Until we chat again, love y'all.